Welcome back to the TD Ameritrade Network. Time for some overlooked stocks. George Tillis is going to keep us going in the car category. Tata Motors, George, needs a mention, too. What's the latest? Yeah, interesting, OJ. It's the largest, of course, company in India. Tata Motors is, uh, again, uh, growing pretty phenomenally when it comes down to trucks, uh, cars, vehicles in the commercial space, buses, and, of course, uh, light-duty vehicles. But overall, uh, it's a pretty steady grower over the last year. Morgan Stanley today upgraded the stock uh, to overweight from equal weight, and I think it's a pretty compelling story for a company that's actually uh, struggled uh, relative to its peers over the last five years or so. Companies like Toyota, General Motors, even Volkswagen. I'm going to put it in those categories of the uh, continental giants when it comes down to vehicle manufacturing. But uh, for those who don't know Tata uh, itself, they may know Jaguar as well as the uh, Land Rover brands. Those are two brands, the UK brands, that effectively make up the largest percentage of sales outside of India. But I think uh, those brands themselves have generated quite a bit of uh, – quite a bit of buzz when it comes down to uh, margin expansion as well as uh, growth and uh, pricing power as well as, of course, top-line sales. Okay. All right. So, uh, George, how does it – I mean, does it have as uh, much competition as uh, the domestic players do, that the Chinese players do? I mean, it seems like there's a, a dozen stocks in each, uh, in each region that are going after the same thing. Does Tata have more of a monopoly? Yeah. Well, I think it is in India, but you got to look at where its uh, sales really occur. So only about 20% of its sales are in India. Mm-hmm. I think the 20% of sales in the United States and 20 in China, the rest is in, is in the European Union. So I'm going to call it around uh, 40% of sales are concentrated in the EU, especially in the UK, because effectively it's, uh, it sells its lower end vehicles in India and it sells its higher end vehicles in the United States now, hopefully more in China, including Land Rover, which is higher margin uh, SUV vehicles, uh, as well as, again, United States and the UK. So I think overall, if you just look at what it's, what's, what it's doing from the standpoint of price performance relative to its peers in the last year, it's comparable. But over the last five years, Tata's really struggled. And one of the reasons I think is, uh, is the issue is if you actually look at the R&D expenses, and I went and looked for a year-over-year comparison, their R&D expenses actually increased uh, in, in late uh, 2020 relative to late 2019 by about 350%. So I think what's happened here is Tata had found itself with a couple of uh, you know premier brands. It invested heavily in those brands for marketing, of course, and development uh, of those two brands, especially in the SUV space for, uh, for Land Rover, where it generates higher margin. But I think it's under, it had been underinvested especially when it comes to EVs. And I think that's one of the reasons why the company has struggled, at least on the five-year performance standpoint. So competition, yes, is to answer your question, OJ, uh, been a challenge for the company. It faces a lot of it. And I think it had been behind significantly relative to the investments that were made by other large auto manufacturers like Volkswagen, Toyota, as well as General Motors. All right, okay. So uh, 26 bucks, breakout happening capitalizing on some of the same themes as the other automakers uh, with uh, also a different uh, kind of regional uh, selling that uh, we don't really get too much discussion about when we're focused on the domestic names and the very China-centric names. Obviously, uh, you're a big part of the, uh, the world, so that's a big deal, uh, George. All right, TTM breaking out. I mean, by the way, it's the only automaker I see that's making new highs, so that's gotta be worth something. 
And I think the reason being OJ is, is that we're starting to see, and we talk about this all the time, the manifestation of CapEx. As I mentioned, uh, R&D expenses were over 300% relative to the, where they were 2019. And I think the manifestation of that R&D expense is starting to, to develop in the stock price because I think they're playing catch up, which they are. And, and again, the money had been spent uh, quite aggressively over the last year. Okay. All right. Nice move. 15% in a day. Nothing to shy away from. All right. George, uh, let's talk to Gillette Satellite Networks, uh, GILT, one that's been on this segment a few times. What's the latest here? A satellite maker uh, that is uh, uh, based in Israel, right? Yeah, it is. It's an Israeli company, and we talk about the satellite uh, communications companies like this one, which is basically a broadband uh, and communications-based business, but it's uh, basically ground-developed satellite communication equipment, but it also has a comprehensive cloud-based satellite network uh, for high-speed modems, on-the-move antennas, transceivers, but it's a company that supports a lot of industries. Now, one of the industries we've talked about, we actually talked about uh, GoGo, which is basically a, a ground-to-air or air-to-ground uh, uh, network, broadband network for, uh, for aviation. Well, Gillette Satellite services the satellite uh, area of the aviation business, but it also services public safety, transportation and transit, Maritime uh, defense is another area, as well as broadband and traditional cellular networks for enterprises. So they keep securing contracts, and it's an important. And in fact, they're, they're really securing a lot of contracts in Mexico and Latin America. Today, they announced they secured another contract worth $16 million. Now, you know, in the larger scheme of things, compared to a large company, let's say like Verizon or such, it's a small amount, but relative to its sales last year, it's about uh, a 9% of its total sales last year, which were 180 million. So it is, again, a quite compelling amount for this, uh, this company, which again is small. But again, it did, uh, it did secure 16 million from, for, from a Peruvian company to uh, develop its regional transport networks from a broadband standpoint. But overall, uh, you know, looking at the stock itself, market cap wise, about 500 million, uh, total revenues about 180 million. So it is a small cap company. And revenue is growing now about 48% on a year-over-year -year basis. And uh, overall, uh, profitability is still a, a problem for the company. And I think it has to do with the fact that it's been spending quite a bit as well to develop its, uh, its, its network and its infrastructure. Okay. So, George, uh, how come the stock's not doing squat? Well, that's, that's the thing, OJ. If you actually look at its sales growth, uh, like I said, about 48%. It's huge. It's uh, profit margin. Yeah, it's it's the sales growth is great, but the profit margin. And I went and looked at it last quarter, and it was actually down by about one percent. So I think again, they need to show some improvement in their net income. And again, the top line sales uh, numbers that will show up with this additional contract will be good. But from a net income standpoint, the company's spending quite a bit of money, and it's uh, it's affecting the share price as a result. Okay. All right. All right, George. So, uh, Gillette here doing a lot of things right, it sounds like, but uh, just having trouble really getting a jump start and uh, huge right. amounts of froth uh, just that uh, weigh these companies down after they get the run up like they did in the first quarter. Just seems like uh, even as every piece of good news comes out, so difficult for a lot of these uh, charts to turn around with that uh, overhead pressure uh, from all the bag holders back at the beginning of the year. GT, you got one more. That's right. Colfax is an industrial stock coming up on its record. It's highs here, and you got some upgrades lately. Uh, Morgan Stanley actually lowered the price target to it by a buck, but it was uh, just a couple days ago that J.P. Morgan brought it up to $58 from 55 and says to buy it. 
Yeah, so there's a, there's a little bit of tug of war be between the analysts on this one. It's an interesting story for Colfax, which is in the industrial machinery space. But here's the thing, it's I'm going to call it a diversified technology company. They actually have two divisions. They actually had a third division. The third division they spun off was in uh, was in pumps and uh, in equipment for uh, for oil and gas. But they're basically now a a, a a fab tech company, a fabrication technology company, particularly welding equipment, as well as a med tech company. So these are two very opposite uh, industry groups that this uh, one company actually serves. So in the in the welding business, they sell fabrication technology like cutters and joint applic application equipment. But in the med tech space, it's orthopedic braces and of course uh, things like uh, uh, reconstructive implants for physical therapy. Uh, and, and pain management. Now, Morgan Stanley adjusted the price target to the downside. It looks like the consensus range is somewhere between 50 and 58. And the reason being is, is there a little bit of tug of war as this company is going to be splitting off into two separate companies, which again, makes sense considering that the, uh, the joint company together is in two completely different spaces when it comes to fabrication uh, equipment. Uh, and again, uh, one of the things about its welding division and the fab, uh, fab business it's about 40% of those sales come from the oil and gas space, but also orthopedic medical devices. So I think it's a value unlock play that's happening here. Now, if you look at total sales uh, year over year, total sales were up about 58% last quarter. Their fabrication business was uh, was very robust at 45% sales growth year over year. And I think it has to do with the oil and gas uh, uh, business, especially where CapEx has been lagging, and maybe that's why gas prices are higher, as, or at least one reason. Mm. But the medtech business, they're actually making acquisitions, and they actually bought a company called Mathis, which is another orthopedics uh, implant company out of the UK. And they did this uh, and announced it during the earnings conference call on August 15th, where they actually issued equity to make this acquisition. So it was a little bit of a surprise for folks. But what it, what's happening here is the company itself has very robust gross margins, and this is why I, I think it is uh, ripe for a spinoff play, in which it, which they're doing at 42%. But the profit margin is only 3%, and so when you see that disparity so wide with a 42% gross margin and only 3% EBITDA margin, or net profits, it's ripe for a spinoff. And I think that's what's going to happen here. They are announcing something uh, to be concrete in Q1 of next year. Uh, but right now, because of the uh, of that spinoff, the analysts seem to be uh, weighted somewhere between 50 and, as you mentioned, J.P. Morgan's $58 target on the high side. All right, George, nice, uh, interesting, interesting find. I like it. Colfax is one to look at in the industrial space with a bull from uh, J.P. Morgan saying that it's got plenty of room to run still. George, uh, good analysis on the overlook stocks of the day and the movers that we missed. Okay, OJ. You got it. George joining us from Salt Lake, our contributor here on the TD Ameritrade Network.